my sister and I would get our stuffed animals and we would come up with stories uh, to go along with the songs. And they were usually robots fighting, um, which probably speaks about something going on in my parents' <laughs> life that we were picking up on. But, you know. the one who who introduced you to erica or, or did you find her on your own uh you meant yeah you mentioned her when we first chatted um so i reached out to her yeah i'm excited and, and, and it's live <laughs> that should be fun did you did you watch any of her live stream that she does on her, her facebook i haven't i should probably check that out she's really cool out. seriously she's um She, she's not vulgar or rude or anything like that but she's no holds barred she, she'll talk about anything Um, there's no subject too taboo for her. So she's really, really, honestly, you're going to have fun. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> all right. Um, before we, we start on your songs, uh, I, I want to say, usually when people come on my show, I always say, try to not go with popular music. Try to go with something that that's not playing 50 times a day, every day on any radio station. And even though I say that, some people will always have, I don't know, Well, there's one person that I won't point, but he submitted Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound of Silence, and <laughs> and I couldn't play it because the song exploded. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Seriously, I, I came to play the song and it just boom. He uh, he submitted that, and I, I I've been trying to push people. I don't mind popular music. I don't like Pam um, a few episodes ago who submitted Latino songs, and it was all stuff for her that was common she she heard these songs a thousand times but not over here so i thought this is interesting it's popular but not to the rest of us mm. so that i thought that was cool but you um you took my instructions and you ran with it <laughs> you really ran with it it's an interesting set list and i'm not saying that in a bad way it's really, really interesting but some of the stuff i'm gonna have to know how the hell you came into contact with these songs. Uh, well, it's, it's funny, too, because I, I think three songs are from albums that we covered on our podcast. I should listen to it. I am sorry to say I haven't listened to all of it. I listened to your latest episode. I wanted to know who you are, but uh, I will because, damn. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was good, but this is this is something else. Uh, before I go there, though, you um, you got an interesting title for your show. Most people struggle to find a title for their podcast, and me, it was right away I knew what I wanted to call it. So I have a feeling it was the same thing for you, but I want to know the story behind the title. Yeah, we. Um, so when I came up with the idea for the show, I, I wanted to my, – my original idea was I, I had this collection of vinyl records that are um, – it's stuff that's out of print. And it, it never got converted to digital media because they're, you know, tiny unknown artists. Yeah. So someday when that vinyl disappears, like that's just gone from history. Um, that's sad. That's really yeah, sad. Yeah. And it's, and to me that, I mean, and some of it's garbage, but the fact <laughs> that somebody went to all the trouble to make it. Um, so I, I was looking for a way to preserve it. And I thought like, Oh, a podcast would be, um, the right place for that. But you know, one of the advice I got uh, with starting a podcast is not to limit yourself to something, you know, a small niche. So I started thinking about other things that fell into that category. And that's where we got the idea of esoteric stuff that not everybody's heard of. And maybe we can expose a new audience to this material. 
When you say esoteric, some part of my brain deep down in my subconscious equal that to unknown. But it's it's really unusual the music. It's not just unknown. It's unusual. It's it's way out of left field, some of the stuff you play in there. And and honestly, I, I gotta say, I, I love your explanation that it's it's stuff that if you lose the vinyl, then that's it. it it's gone forever. It, everybody will forget that this artist ever made the effort. It's kind of it's dark, but it's it's a responsibility. Are you ready for that? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's it's. I've already seen that happen. Um, the the first celebrity interview we did was um, Homer Flynn, who's the manager of the Residents, um, one of the one of the bands that is on the playlist. He has this vinyl record from a from a duo in Indiana that he shared with us, and he had actually made a you know he had digitized it. Um, there's only like two of the physical albums in existence. We uploaded it to archive uh, to Internet Archives, and already like 200 people have downloaded it since our episode went up. So like, I accomplished my mission. <laughs> <laughs> so you went viral. That, that's literally the the definition of going viral. You, you take one thing and it spreads to everybody, and maybe in a hundred years everybody will know about it, as that's opposed to when it came out that nobody knew about it at all. <laughs> yeah, it just dis disappeared into the ether. So we're exactly. Um, let's go with your music before I say something else. Your first song, okay, it's called Here's to the Oblong Boys by Ronaldo and the Loaf. I, I'm going to let you introduce why that song and where the hell you found that. <laughs> so, um, Ronaldo and the Loaf, um, they're a, an English musical duo, uh, like late 70s, early 80s. Uh, I was introduced to them because they were on, um, the same record label as The Residents, uh, another band we'll look at. Um, actually, The Residents created their own label, Ralph Records, and um, they collaborated with Ronaldo and the Loaf. And then uh, I liked it enough, I kind of checked out their own music. And um, this song, just, um, it's hard to describe what it is that struck with me. Just, it's it's odd, but it's catchy at the same time. It, it reminded me a lot of the, the Talking Heads, the, the opening of it. It sounded a little bit like the Talking Heads, and then... Mm -hmm. Then you kind of feel like you stumble into a George Harrison bad acid trip, and then it goes back to the talking head. I really liked it, honestly. I liked it, but I'm a child of the '80s, so to me, it, it resonated immediately as soon as I heard it. But it's it's as alien as it was familiar. So it's really fascinating as a choice. Uh, so, you know, and that description I think exactly captures the kind of music I like—something that's alien yet familiar at the same time. Well. God, I, I'm I'm happy that I gave you a description for you. Thanks, <laughs> really. Uh, Ronaldo and the Loaf. English. I'm reading my notes. I'm sorry. Uh, English duo. You said it in the 70s, the 80s. Uh, this is really interesting, though. Consisting of a pathologist and an architect. Yes. So, so it, it's it's a real life Buckaroo Band's eye that you heard of there. <laughs> by day he's a surgeon, and by night he goes to a nightclub, and then he fights aliens. That's really interesting. To me. And that's that's kind of what they sound like. A little less rock and roll and a more like new wave, perhaps, but in the same spirit. Long gone. 
Thank you for that. Second song. Um, now you seem really familiar with them to the point where you had them on your show, The Residents. Ah, uh, yes. So the The Residents, and they're really not a band as much as they are an art collective. Um, they've been <laughs> around for forty-five years, and a lot of a lot of their albums is about deconstructing um, motifs and genres in music. They're a lot of times intentionally unlistenable, if you will. <laughs> it's uh, it's difficult music, as my wife likes to call it. That's art. When it's not accessible, that's art. So now I understand when you say art collective. I was going to quiz you about that, but thank you. That that puts it in perspective. Okay. Yeah, they actually they invented the music video, and uh, they have a permanent display at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. They there. invented the music. I always thought the Beatles did that with their promotional films because they didn't want to go on, on concert or on shows anymore. So they just did promo films. It's probably an arguable point. <laughs> I, I don't know. Honestly, I'm just, I'm, I'm not that old. I'm not saying you are. I'm just not old enough to know the Beatles, but I always thought that the, uh, uh when they decided they wouldn't go on concert anymore and not on, on, on TV shows, they just started putting out films and can it's, it snowballed from there that every show would do that and every band would do that. So that's why you have music videos from the 1960s, even though music videos didn't exist. You have pre-taped uh, performances. But it's interesting that you're saying someone else did that. And you know what? I, I don't want to argue. I want to know. So I'm going to look this up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess maybe like the short form is a you know a, a music video in of itself rather than distilling it down from something else. Probably a, a, an actual music video and not just a band performing on a stage would be their contribution. Yeah, and, and if you get a chance to check out like the Residents One Minute Movies, uh, which I, I think are up at YouTube, like you're you're in for a unique experience. Let me put it that way. Okay, one minute. Please. I'm writing this down as you say. I'm learning stuff here. Um, it it um it gave me an again. I'm not an audiophile as as big as you, but it gave me a vibe like I was listening to something from another brick in the wall. Hmm, interesting. It, it sounded like Roger Waters around the time that he did the wall and another brick in the wall and all that. And um and then you you hear the bass line that sounded like it was lifted from Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Hmm. Am, am I wrong there? Am I am I completely crazy? No, no, I, I, I get you. Thank you. Well, I'm not crazy. That's good. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then it gets weird. After that, it gets weird because up to that point, it wasn't weird enough. Then it gets to this chipmunk kind of sound from hell, which I I wasn't going to say unlistenable, but it gets weird. But you said unlistenable. It's your words. I'm I'm just putting it out there. But it's it's uh, it sounds like a perfect Halloween song. I, I've put it aside for my Halloween show already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had this uh, at the time really big on this thing they called the theory of phonetic organization, um, which is basically it's more about the sounds of words together than the actual meaning. 
The just, theory of phonetic organization. I'm writing this down. I want to learn what that is. Okay. Because yeah, when you say it, like, it, it, I mean, he's got the chipmunk voice, which is, is off-putting. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, some of the lyrics he's singing, um, your lichen-covered corpuscles are filthy to my fist. Like, that's just fun to say, but <laughs> what, what the heck does it mean? Exactly. It sounds a little bit dark. Coming from a chipmunk, it's like a, a clown from hell. It, it was, yeah, it was, off-putting was a good choice of word for that. <laughs> okay, uh, it's from the album uh, Duck Stab. Or just Duckstab afterward. It has a long name, but it, they re-released it and renamed it Duckstab. It's their fifth studio album. It was released in 1978. Thank you for introducing us to that. And I will check the uh, one-minute movies. It's intriguing. number three. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not a country fan. This was interesting, again, for the lyrics. Uh, I'm going to let you introduce the song. Go ahead. 
Yeah, uh, I, I think like some some listeners might recognize the Handsome Family if uh, if you watch True Detective season one on HBO. I didn't. Uh, Sorry. I Shamefully, I did not. <laughs> it was a good show. Uh, one of the songs from from this album, "Far from Any Road," was the uh, the theme music for that um, show. That kind of turned me on to the Handsome Family, although I had been aware of them um, in the past. And I'm also not a big country fan, uh, but there's just something about this dark Gothic Americana that comes through in their music that really appealed to me. It's the storytelling. It's it's strange because I have a friend yesterday who introduced me to another country song that I loved as much as this one. It was called Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton. I hated country always. And then two nights in a row, somebody introduces me to, to a country song that I like. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, this song could be titled 2020 because there's, <laughs> there's a line at the end. The guy says, hold on, I wrote it down. It's really interesting. Until I hit the bottom, I won't believe it's bottomless. And I thought, man, this is fitting for 2020. This is just... I, I think if you put that on a t-shirt and sell it, like you're going to make a million dollars. Exactly something like that. Um, it's um, It struck me as a, a cross between House of the Rising Sun meets Ned Miller, who's a, a country singer that my parents loved. It's probably mm -hmm. why I don't like country. Uh, it's from Singing Bones, the sixth album released uh, by Alternative Alternative Country Band. I I hate that word, alternative. It's like we don't know what to do with this, so let's just call it alternative. But anyway, The Handsome Family in 2003 by Carrot Top Records. I don't really know that. Is that anything related to the comedian? Yeah, it, I was wondering, but I think it's coincidental. Um, if, if it is related to him, then I have a new appreciation for Gertrude. <laughs> a new outlook on this guy. Okay. My name I don't remember, though I hail from Ohio. I had a wife and children, good tires on my car. What took me from Surf the 
Song number four. Now I got to tell you, you, you're in my wheelhouse there. I'm going to let you introduce Tom Waits. Ah, Tom Waits, and I, I, I know most, Tom Waits is a little more familiar. Yes. Um, the the reason I went with this song, there's a story behind it, and and I don't know if it's true or not, um, but it's a great story, so I'm going to tell it. Please. Um, so this track comes from an album he did called The Black Rider, um, which is uh, I think it was also a a play. It's based off of old German folklore, and it's an instrumental piece. Uh, there's an orchestra, and I read this story. Uh, I'm going to guess it was like in Spin Magazine um, back when this album came out, that to get the sound of the song, Tom Waits had the orchestra in an unheated cabin playing, and he made them go through the song again and again and again and again all night long until like every musician was just pissed off and like screeching through their instruments. And then he took that take. And if you listen to the song, like you can hear that anger and frustration in every single instrument. I, again, I don't know if that's true. That might be made up, but it, it fits the song. It's interesting. It's really interesting what you're saying there. There's a, a famous photo shoot that he did for Rolling Stone magazine in the early nineties when he did, um, the, the Coppola Dracula movie. He played Redfield in that movie. Mm-hmm. And um, he was really tired. They made him redo the scene over and over and over again. And then right after one of the shooting days, he had a shooting with Rolling Stone magazine and they were making him redo the picture over and over and over again. And he was just mad. And that's the last picture they took is him growling at them that he's really sick and tired of this. So it's interesting that you're saying he did the same thing to his crew to record the perfect recording. But what I really liked about this, I've never heard that song before. And as soon as it started, I said, yes, this is a Tom Waits song, even though he doesn't sing. And that's the power of Tom Waits. Cause a lot of, a lot of artists, you're going to have instruments that are always coming back in every song and every album. Like, uh, like Phil Collins in the eighties, you can recognize the drum and the brass section. Or the cure, you know the bass line by heart, any song they do in the guitar. But him, you never have the same instrument twice in any song, but you still recognize that it's a Tom Waits song. That's how powerful Tom Waits is. Oh yeah. He's got this thing where he loves to capture the the ambient sound of a room when he's recording. Yes. Um and you can hear that. Like you can hear creaking boards in this. You can hear I think the only time you actually hear Tom is when he's screaming at the <laughs> orchestra. Yes. Near the end of the song. It's, yeah. it's, it's fantastic because all throughout the song, you're expecting to hear him. It sounds so much like Tom Waits 
that even though you don't hear him in your head, you can hear the growling and the voice of, of Tom Waits. It's fantastic. And he gives you exactly what he promises. It is a Russian dance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you hear the dancing, you hear the music. It, it's a Russian dance and nothing more. Okay, it's from the Black Rider. I didn't know it was a play. I know that he, he's had a habit of doing plays and soundtracks to his own plays. Didn't know that was it. But uh, 1993, thank you for that song very much. I, I like it and I'm going to listen to it again. Last one, God, I, I want to know where you found that song. I, I honestly, shit, I want to know how you came in contact. <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce it, and then I ask my questions. Go ahead. Um, so this last song is called, uh, I think it's Swan Splashdown, and it comes from Perry and Kingsley's In Sound from Way Out. 
Um, this was an album I grew up with. It was just, uh, it was something in my parents' record collection that they just like threw at me when I got my first stereo. And what my sister and I used to do is, so the whole album is these, um, these crazy, almost like cartooning electronic songs. Um, in fact, this album is like a precursor to, um, the whole EMD, um, scene. Yeah. Um, my sister and I would get our stuffed animals and we would come up with stories uh, to go along with the songs. And they were usually robots fighting, um, which probably speaks about something going on in my parents' <laughs> life that we were picking up on, but you know, whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved it. It's just, this is something that just always been, um, it, it's in my DNA. Uh, it's goofy. It's funny. Um, and you can, you can hear, I think they thought this was going to be music in the 21st century. Thank God it's not. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> but the interesting thing, and, and like I, I mentioned this earlier with my love for, for, for things that a lot of work went into, um, this was all before sampling. So all the, the sounds and the loops, they, those are all tape. It's tape manipulation. So each song took them literally weeks in the studio to, to build them. So. Yeah. A incredible amount of effort went into what comes down to a silly 40-minute album. It's interesting and that you mentioned the robots because I, I literally wrote down beeps and boops. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hear in the song. Sorry, go ahead. And, and I picked this particular song because um, Smash Mouth stole the, the riff from it in, their, in Walking on the Sun. So if you, if you hear that song, like you can hear that bump, 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 bump. Yeah. comes right out of here. I, I was flabbergasted because I, I honestly thought it was original. I thought it was them, Smash Mouth, who did that. <laughs> and this this is like, what, 1960-something, this album that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, 62 or 63, I think, that this came out. Thank you. 
Alright, that is it for us. Before I let you go, I want to talk about your, your Sunday stream. What's that about? Um, so we, uh, in addition to our podcast, because, um, you know, the, the pandemic has given us uh, more time than we ever thought we'd have. Really? Around. Did, did, did <laughs> you? Because not me. With the kids at home, I don't have more time. But <laughs> go ahead. Um, so, you know, I was looking for something to do. So our, our regular podcast, um, we, we do weekly. That comes out on Wednesdays. And we started doing a live stream on Sundays on Facebook because, you know, and I'm sure you know, unless you have a guest on your, your podcast, you're sort of isolated when you're doing it. Yeah. Um, we don't really normally talk to our audience, so we thought we'd do a live stream to try and connect. Um, granted, our audience is small right now, but uh, it gives us a chance to reach out. So after talking to you, um, we actually have a special guest this upcoming Sunday. Yes. Um, oh, my God, I'm going to flake on Erica's last name. <laughs> Miley. Erica Miley, yes. uh, who's sex therapist, coming on to, um, if we go along with the theme of our show, we'll probably be talking about more esoteric and obscure um, sexual topics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm hoping we're, we're live streaming on Facebook, so I'm hoping we're going to get some interaction from people and, and get some, you know, on the fly questions, but we'll see what happens. Uh, quick plug, where do we find you and your stream? So you can check us out on esotericathepodcast.com. Um, that's got links to uh, our regular show, our new famous folks celebrity series, and our live streams, as well as all our social media content. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. I'm going to let you go. I don't want to waste your time. I really appreciate that you came on, on my show. It's really humble. You say you have a small audience. I'm pretty sure I have smaller than you. But still, I really... <laughs> you got to start somewhere, right? I go out walking after midnight out in the starlight. Somewhere a walking